0: Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile, from Station Casinos. I've
1: you know, talked to a lot of guys that have uh, retired after long, long careers, and they wish they played longer, and they just tell you to play as long as you can, and uh, you know, I think uh, the body's holding up well, so uh, keep going, and... Uh, to help the team uh,
2: achieve our ultimate goal
0: and of winning. And- Golden Edge podcast time out here. City National Arena. The middle of the offseason, but there's always something going on. And this time it's Derek England re-signing. Or, you know, coming back on a one-year deal with the Golden Knights. A lot to get into and how that relates to the rest of the team and everything else going on with the offseason, with the Golden Knights. So we are out here. Thank you guys once again for listening make sure you subscribe like comment share all of those things you do wherever you get this podcast tell your friends as well we really appreciate that and don't forget golden edge podcast presented by stn sports mobile from station casinos make sure you check us out each and every time We put up a new podcast, which is not very often in the offseason, but there's been plenty of news to talk about. So let's get right into it. As I said, Adam Hill, Ben Goats, Dave Shane, here with you from City National Arena. We just heard from Derek England and been, you know, pretty interesting. We thought this was coming, but just kind of out in the middle of nowhere, the middle of July. Hey, Derek England signs a one-year deal.
1: Yeah, it finally happened. I mean, George McPhee had basically broached the subject in development camp of saying, Hey, we're close, we think it's gonna get done. We just gotta work on some bonus structure things, and then we'll all have it click into place. And it took about, you know, three weeks after those initial conversations for it to actually click into place, but he's back officially on a one year deal with the Knights. He was here talking about it uh today. He's you know, thirty seven years old, he'll be thirty eight if the Knights make the playoffs next year. But I really thought it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, whether at this age he's still motivated, he's still ready to basically fight and compete at the highest level uh, in the NHL. And I thought what he had to say was interesting, so let's listen in.
2: I, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm very motivated. You know, I, the first year I thought, uh, you know, obviously my
1: best best year. Uh, I think as a as a player, and uh, last year I was a little down, but uh, you know, I was always room to improve and and get better even at this age. And, um,
2: you know, if I want to keep playing, i and and uh, come in, in great
0: shape and, and do all the that I to do. So that was Derek England actually answering a question from our own Dave Shane. So uh, let's get your thoughts, not only on, you know, what he said there about, um, you know, his motivation and, you know, we're all, we're all trying to kind of retire him right now, but just in general, what you thought about what Derek England had to say today.
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of a clumsy question I asked, but, you know, I think part of The reason that I asked it was, you know, we were kind of talking before with him and posing all these questions about, you know, what are you going to do after you're done and. You know, they've got these kids coming into the pipeline and all, all these sorts of things like that. So, you know, I just I, I thought it was interesting. And like Ben said, that that he he's ready. You know, this isn't just a I'm going to come back for one year and, you know, I'm going to go on a on a, you know, one final, you know, tour of the league. And everybody's going to, you know, pat me on the back and say, great job, Derek, you know, heck of a career and all that. Like he wants to keep playing. This is, you know, this is one year and then he'll see where he's at and, and all that sort of stuff. So to me, it just kind of you know, stood out that, that you know he's, he's, he's not ready to hang him up. This is not just like, oh, I'm going to come back and you know, be a, you know, an ambassador almost you know to the team. And I'm just going to help these kids and, and all that sort of stuff. No, he wants to play and he's got performance bonuses and all these sorts of things that, that he wants to meet. And, you know, obviously there's financial incentive and, and all that sort of stuff that goes with it, too. But I just, you know, I think my takeaway was that he wants to play. You know, he doesn't want to be a 7th or 8th defenseman on this team. He wants to be in the lineup, you know, regular minutes, killing penalties, do
0: what Derek England's done for the last couple years. Well, uh, he might want to. I mean, I think his play is going to have to be uh, what decides that, what determines that. And, and Ben, I think toward the end of the year, uh, I I don't know that I was completely convinced that the team was going to want him back for another season I mean I know what he brings leadership wise and certainly off the ice there's no question what he brings uh, to the organization to the locker room and everything else but uh, there were times where you watched and said I don't know how much he has left in the tank
1: yeah I think it was definitely interesting at the end of the year when they put him and Nate Schmidt together and tried to make that partnership work and I don't really think it did especially as kind of the nominal top pairing for the Knights I don't know if they're going to be super successful if they continue that. Now, on the other hand, that doesn't mean Derek Englund was a completely you know, useless player at the end of the year either, and he does fill some holes for them. He is currently their only right-shot defenseman on the roster. I mean, they're pretty heavily unbalanced on the blue line right now, though Shea Theodore can also play that side. Nate Schmidt can play on the right side. But he does fill at least a need there as a guy who actually does shoot right He's still a good penalty killer. He led them in time on ice shorthanded last season. So he can still do a lot of things to help this team. It'll just be curious what role they end up carving out for him and
0: whether that's going to be the same role he's kind of had these last two seasons. Well, what role do you think, or like, what what do you foresee? I'll ask both of you, but uh, let just start with you. You brought it up. What do you see his role be?
1: I would be very curious to see him paired on even maybe a third pair with one of the young guys they bring in I mean he talked about hey I know we're going to bring in some young guys this year I can be a sounding board I can give them piece of advice I can help them you know whenever I can and whatever you know they ask me and so I'd be curious to see what he would look like on a you know third pair with say a Nick Haig or a Jimmy Schultz. you know guys who you know bring a little offense to the blue line and of course might make some rookie mistakes that England, a more defensive-minded guy, could potentially cover for. So that possibility has a lot of uh, you know, intrigue to me. Now, whether they actually go down that road is another conversation entirely, but that's at least something that I could see
0: you know, being potentially successful. Dave, what do you see his role being this year? Uh, and keeping in mind, it sounded like we didn't get to see what the incentives are. It sounded to me like what he was kind of indicating is that the incentives are largely – you know playing time or you know how many games games he plays based uh which would make a very interesting decision maybe between the front office and the coaching staff at some point down the road of all right do we really play him every night if it's going to cost us extra money and if it's if it's not the right move for the team
2: yeah i mean i think at least in terms of that particular question the fact that it's you know 800k as opposed to you know X millions of dollars or something like that that they could be whatever I don't think that would really influence anything I don't think there's like major cap implications and and things like that that they would have to worry about so from that standpoint I think it'd be fun to speculate you know whether George
0: well, McPhee would we've definitely seen another other sp- I mean we see it in baseball sure, all the time we see sure. it in the NFL even uh, we see it happen and I'm sure it happens in the NHL yeah. so uh, it, it will it would be an interesting question like late in the year if he's got one game left to reach some bonus do you do the, the right thing for Derek? Do you do the right thing for PR? Or, or would you say, well, you know what? Maybe it's not I mean, it would, be, it would be very fun for us. I don't know that it'll actually come into play. Yeah. It would certainly be a fun I mean, speculating time for us. I was going to say, us. it'd be a good talk, talking point and, and all those sorts of
2: things. And I mean, I guess in terms of his role, and that's sort of related to what we were talking about, I, my thought with it is it depends on the rookie or rookies, I guess, and, and how well they play. Uh, and then just, you know, who's kind of left on the roster. There, there's some other implications and things. Uh, let's just say Nick Holden is, you know, out of the equation uh, to make room for Nikita Gusev, you know, if we're going to talk hypothetically and things. So so now you've got a guy, Nick Holden, who kind of played both left, both right. You know, you got to kind of fit some pieces in. Where does, like, Jimmy Schultz, where does White, you know, where does Nick Hague, where do all these guys kind of fit in? And I think it kind of then trickles down to, to Derek England and, and what have you. I mean, you know i've said this before and I, i'll stick with this i think if if derek england is your seventh defenseman it's probably not a bad spot to be in because that means the first year guys are, are, are playing pretty well you know and if derek england has to come in and play a role like say you know john merrill did the first year um you know even somebody like brad hunt you know you go back and look at like the first year you know there was injuries and things brad hunt played half the year and yeah. he had a stretch in December where he and Colin Miller were, you know, not not necessarily arguably their best defensive pair, but but certainly, you know, were an effective pairing. So, you know, I mean, all, all kinds of things happen during the season, and to have a guy, you know, whether he's, you know, Derek's in the lineup regularly or whether he's a guy that you can plug in, you know, I think it's probably a, a good spot for them to be in. You're not paying him, you know, $2.5 or something like that to have a, a, a potentially a seventh defenseman. It's a it's a, you know, cap friendly, team friendly contract. I'm sure Derek's happy that he's gonna have, you know, incentives and, and bonuses there in front of him that, you know, he can essentially make close to what he made last year. You know, so it sets up nicely for, for all sides and, and, you know, it'll all shake out in training camp. That's kind of the beauty of it, I guess, is, you know, the best players will play. And you know, the best six defensemen are gonna be in the lineup and if that's Derek England, then you know great and if not that means you know he's a seventh defenseman and and a veteran presence that
0: if you need him you know he's probably going to be ready to go if if the team is at full strength if everybody's available that could potentially be available and Derek England is one of your six best defensive players is that a bad thing
1: I'm not sure yet I think we have to see how it's all going to shake out in terms of the rookies how they're going to play and stuff I mean as much as I think England's play definitely fell off, especially five on five last year. I mean, I don't think he killed them in the playoffs. I mean, he was on the ice, obviously, a lot during those shorthanded goals in the game seven of the Shark Series, but I'm not sure uh, any of them were particularly his fault. So I don't know exactly if you have him as a guy who's there to kill penalties and, you know, maybe only be on the ice 15, 17 minutes a game and you're giving... Larger chunks of ice time to, you know, some of the vets, but still younger guys like Nate Schmidt, Braid McNabb, Shea Theodore. I think that's still a fine setup. It might not be an ideal setup for, especially, the long term, because you want to make sure these young guys like Nick Haig and Jimmy Schultz are playing just so they can develop a little bit. But I'm also not sure that's, like, you know, a doomsday scenario,
2: because he's still, at least in my opinion, a fine player. I think he's got a role on this team somewhere I, I don't know what it is and and again i'll go back to my answer that i think it depends on you know how good the rookies are um and whether that just pushes him you know out of the lineup that's just kind of the natural you know order of selection i guess and, and, and things but you well know, what, what was national what was it like emoji day the other day and the the hurricanes put out that video with uh with aho breaking uh england's ankles and you know, with a little sad crying emoji <laughs> on his face, and, and uh, that's like—I know it's terrible—and you know it's like low-hanging fruit and easy to pick on, but you know there was more of that last year it wasn't than the there was time, than yeah. there was the first year that that, that Derek England was—you know—with the Golden Knights. If that continues, you know, then then Jorgalen's going to make a tough choice, and it becomes you know a, a decision, and I'm sure Derek England would would, would understand it, but you know. I don't think it'd be the
0: worst thing in the world for the Golden Knights if he's in your top six. He did He did uh, indicate there was other offers. He talked to some other teams. I um, thought it was interesting. He pointed out, you know, somebody asked if there was a multi-year deal, and he said once you get to 35, uh, it's all, you know, pretty much one-year offers, and there was a good laugh, uh, but 35-plus th- contract actually is a special category of contracts in the NHL and the CBA, which... You know, I don't know a lot of people know that or understand it, but um, it is a thing. And, and, you know, one, two-year deals are really the max uh, to give a player over 35 because of the way it works out uh, under the CBA. But that is, you know, if you, uh, if you hear the audio later of, of that answer, that is actually a, uh, a particular contract uh, under the CBA and the NHL. Just thought I should point that out. But um, it, it would have been a very interesting decision Uh, for Derek England to have to try to make if something can be worked out here, if there was other offers on the table. But as you said, he pointed out that he's not only coming back for one year, he wants to come back for more than one year. He wants to continue uh, to play as long as he possibly can. And uh, we'll see how he performs this year and what is able to to happen with him and this team going forward. Uh, But certainly, you know, it was something that was expected. He's back in the mix one year. 700,000 incentives that could get him to 1.5. So that is the story right now with Derek England and what his role is. We will find out soon enough. Uh, but it wasn't the only thing that happened uh, in, the, in the last couple of days. Uh, there was also a trade. And you know, it's not a blockbuster trade, certainly, but it could be an indication of other things happening. And the biggest thing really uh, for the Golden Knights is to... Kind of clear up the long-term IR situation uh, by getting the David Clarkson contract off their hands. Uh, that was more of a, I guess, more of a move on paper. Yay! Though, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Yay. sorry. Yay! You don't have to continue to Yay. explain. No
2: more, no more long-term IR. You don't have to Yay. continue to explain what that means. I can
1: it, barely explain it, let alone understand it. Yeah. I mean, I was going to cap friendly and everything. You know, trying to figure out how Carlson's contract or Clarkson's contract affects their cap, and it is a. Uh, the CBA is a fun read when you get down in the weeds like that. Yeah, it is well, real page turner.
0: And the, well, I mean it it does. It's the kind of thing you have to read like four or five times in a row because you get so bored and you like clock out and they're like, oh wait, I I don't know what I just read the last two minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean the biggest thing for the Golden Knights right now is yeah they could have just moved Clarkson's contract to long term IR and then it, they wouldn't it wouldn't have counted necessarily. But it is out there and it means that the performance bonuses can't be pushed down the road like other teams are able to do in this case Toronto already had a a player on long-term IR so they were already going to use that anyway so they could just add another uh long-term IR contract so it doesn't really impact them uh and then kind of a you know a swap a draft pick for a potential I'll say backup goalie I don't know that the Golden Knights want him to be their backup goalie but just insurance goaltender uh for down the road uh not a blockbuster deal, but certainly, you know, something that is beneficial for the Knights for, for salary cap purposes.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting move. So, yeah, speaking of the goaltender, I mean, Garrett Sparks from the Toronto Maple Leafs. One T. Yeah, one T. Very one T, Garrett. interesting spelling. Uh, so, not this past season, but the one before. He was the AHL goaltender of the year, basically. And then last year, he played about 20 games with the Maple Leafs. Not great numbers. He had a goals against average that was a little bit above three. He had like a 902 save percentage, like right around 900. So you know maybe he could push Malcolm suban in training camp. I would imagine it's more likely that he's going to be their third goalie. And if Subban or flurry gets injured, he's kind of the first call up, which seems fine. I mean they have had to play a third goalie the past two seasons. It happens so it's certainly not the worst thing in the world to get some goaltending depth back considering they lost some depth this offseason and you know fourth round pick to get that depth back and then shed the clarkson contract which does afford them more flexibility in terms of they don't have to push those bonuses down the road they can keep those on the cap this year especially because they're not sure what the cap is going to be next year because they didn't even know what it was going to be this year (laughs) until very soon before business started happening and they don't accrue as many cap charges day-to-day because that's how the cap is counted. It's not just counted yearly. It's counted literally day-to-day. And so it reduces their day-to-day cap charges, uh, which makes roster maneuvering kind of in-season a little bit easier
0: for them now. Dave, uh, it's, like I said, the, the Clarkson move is a move mostly on paper, uh, but it's... It's like you were, you know, kind of sarcastically cheering about it. It's just, it's kind of a headache that's gone, is really all it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I
2: haven't talked to George McPhee's guy about it, you know, or <laughs> you got whatever. got a guy for that. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, my, you know, part of it, my understanding and things is, I think, maybe from the Golden Knights point of view, where getting it off of off of the, the book, so to speak, is beneficial Is right around, you know, the end of training camp. Because you got to be cap compliant, and then put him on long-term IR and, and whatever. So you have to do some roster, I think, massaging and maybe send you know guys down who are waiver exempt and all that sort of stuff um, to get cap compliant, just to then be able to put him on long-term IR and you know and all that. So I'm sure there was probably some hassle and some things that you know they could foresee down the future that that's just an unnecessary headache. And if Toronto was willing to take this on and create their own room for mitch marner and we you know whatever they have to do then you know maybe it works out for both sides i'll i'll actually stick my neck out on something though um i'm not entirely sure that garrett sparks is just going to be the the backup goaltender in the ahl and i don't know that that means that he's going to start the season with the knights and and maybe this is me just totally reading way too much into it to a situation but like You know like ben mentioned this is a guy who won the calder cup and had like a 1.79 goals against or something ridiculous in the in the ahl two years ago he's 26 years old he won the backup job you know in toronto last year and clearly didn't play well and there's been some reports about i guess he's got a pretty big personality um apparently he you know maybe said some things at the toward the end of the year that that didn't go over well in the locker room just in I think I, I can remember one after a start um where he, where he kind of made some comments about you know wanting a little more fire i think from from teammates and things i don't think that went over very well and so maybe it was just a an issue in toronto where like you know okay we got to move on from from this guy but you know at the same time this is not just some you know ahl journeyman this is a guy who's a, a big prospect who in the maple leaf system especially like last year and and kind of going into it was a guy that they were potentially touting. And, you know, if, you know, Laney and, you know, and and all these guys in their system, like Garrett Sparks was was the heir apparent and a guy that they were waiting, not necessarily to take over for Frederick Anderson, but to challenge and, you know, be the backup last year and and, and all that. And he didn't really run with it. But I just don't think this is just some like throwaway deal, I guess. And and, and to me, you know, like if I'm Malcolm Subban, uh, you know, an eyebrow certainly went up. Um, if I'm Oscar Dansk an eyebrow certainly went up that all of a sudden, you know, we have another guy in the mix it, I don't know if you guys can pull this up. Like I don't think he's waiver exempt either Now not all the goalies like at the end of training camp they get cut You know a lot of times they they clear waivers, but like you look at guys last year, you know, like Calvin Pickard You know got picked up Laney got picked up by Carolina um, You know Garrett Sparks is a guy with with some reputation around the league I just don't think it's automatic that you know let's just say you know somebody gets beat out whoever it might be in training camp that you know that there's not a little bit more to this i guess yeah no. he
1: is not waivers exempt it looks like according to yeah. uh, cap friendly
2: so so i mean let's just say like hypothetically he and suban both play well in the preseason you know i mean he's a guy that could get claimed on waivers and the, and the golden knights could have done all this send a fourth round pick in clarkson and then lose them on waivers potentially potentially not you know again and a lot of times, teams kind of understand look, you don't want to, like, you know, take this goalie if you don't need him. And, you know, there's all sorts of things, like if you pick him up off waivers, like Stu Ban a couple of years ago, it's got to be on your 23 man roster. So if somebody were to do that, that's a pretty big commitment, you know, a team would be making for Garrett Sparks. But I'm just saying, I don't think it's out of the question. I, I just don't think it's automatic that he's just going to be, you know, in Chicago wearing a baseball cap, watching Oscar dan- dance you know, play the majority of games.
0: No, I, and you know, I thought if anything he'd be he'd be starting in Chicago. But I, I think you, to more to your point, I don't think it'd be crazy if he if he were to to win the job, like based on the ability that he has as a as a backup here. But if at the very minimum, it's absolutely a message to Malcolm Subban to me that I think that they've they've shown a lot of faith in him and a lot of trust in him as not only a guy that potentially could be just you know a solid solid number two goaltender league but potentially an heir apparent to Mark Andre Fleury and I don't know that you know they want to just have him coast along and just be like yeah you're doing great like I think the message is out there to say hey there's other options and there's other guys that are going to compete with you so um you know if anything it's trying to light a fire under him going into training camp potentially
2: that's how I kind of took it and you know that was my first thing was was just this seems like you know some some direct competition for Malcolm Subban um and again, you know, maybe this is me overreading it. Maybe this is me, you know, complicating a situation that's not very complicated. But it, you know, if that was my first impression. Was just, you know, I mean, you've got a guy who signed, you know, a contract an NHL one, you know, one way contract in March with the Maple Leafs. You know, so this is not a guy that you're just going to dump in the minors and you know, pay him on a two way contract and and all those sorts of things. There's there's a lot of signals, you know, at least to me that. This is like you said, you know, light a fire, hey Malcolm, you know, you struggled last year, you got a 1-year deal, you know, pick it up, win the job in training camp, you know, and 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 we'll kind of go from there, but you need to start grabbing a hold of this, you know, this job. Somebody so either way somebody's going to have to play, you know, 25-ish games if not maybe more this year to alleviate some of that workload on Marc-André Fleury. Somebody's going to have to do it. And, and whether it's Malcolm Subban, whether it's Oscar Dansker or Garrett Sparks, it, it's it's going to be, you know, I don't want to say a, an issue, but it's going to be a topic this season after what happened last year with Marc-Andre Fleury. So somebody's got to grab a hold of it. And whether it's Malcolm, whether it's Garrett, whether it's, you know, Oscar Dansker, you know, some other move that we haven't seen yet, you know, somebody's going to have to be that backup and somebody's
0: going to have to play well. Well, while we're on that, and we're going to move on to what could be left salary cap-wise and move-wise uh, for the next couple of weeks here, but uh, how concerning was the end of the season, now that we have a chance to look back, uh, for you know the franchise looking at Marc-Andre Fleury as their you know long-term starting goaltender?
1: I mean, it I, at least has to raise questions. He didn't perform well in the playoffs. He was okay. I don't think he was bad, but he wasn't great either. I mean, I think to Dave's point, I think the key takeaway there is all season we were talking about how is his workload going to affect him in the playoffs? How is Marc-Andre Fleury going to look after having kind of these miles racked up on his body during the regular season? And I think the answer for the most part was, even though Fleury said he felt fine at the end of the year, that, you know, he wasn't great. I don't think he was at his best. He was not peaking when April rolled around. And so I think that's something that the Knights have to be super mindful of this year. And like Dave said, make sure that they're giving at least 25 games to some combination of, you know, Malcolm Subban, maybe Sparks, maybe Oscar Donsk gets a game or two somewhere in that mix. But clearly it was not great to kind of push Fleury's workload all year. And all of a sudden toward the end of the year, he gets a, you know, injury that we can, you know, rehash that we don't need to and then all of a sudden he's not peaking around playoff time. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is how can they manage his workload to make sure he's good to go
2: when late spring comes. I mean, at least for me, that that, that still remains one of the the biggest unanswered questions from from last year as far as I'm concerned. You had marc Andre Fleury in the middle of March playing his best hockey. I mean it was like what five goals in six games or something like that that he had given up he was coming off you know 40 something save performance in dallas basically stole a game and then you know mysteriously was injured and i uh, to your point adam i don't think he played poorly in the playoffs I, I just don't think he played as well as he did you know two years
0: ago and and that's just such a high standard to reach but well, I don't I don't even you, mean you know, I don't even mean the play in the playoffs. I mean it was as you said playing so well, then all of a sudden it's the sharpness. It's and he's gone yeah. and still don't really fully know what was what
2: was happening. Right, and he came back, played a couple games at, you know, the end of the regular season and, you know, you could argue he wasn't sharp in those games and, you know, then they had what six or seven days off or something like that. Um, maybe not that long, but you know, before that game one, um, yeah i mean i just you know for me i think they're you know obviously you can never control injuries you never know when a guy's going to get hurt but if they're able to manage it to where you can keep him healthy and keep him you know instead of going on you know ir in the middle of march that's when you should be peaking at that point you know that's when you want to be playing well playing your best you know going into the playoffs we saw it you know who's the Stanley Cup champions? You know, St. Louis played well in the second half. That's 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 what you want to be doing. And you know whether it was the workload or, or or anything like that. That you know clearly the Knights weren't peaking. I guess at that point.
0: SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign up bonus of up to fifty dollars. So we've talked about Derek England coming back, what his role could be, uh, where they kind of stand on the cap with a million dollars to play with, but. You know, a couple of guys still to add to the mix, including who knows what happens with Gusev, uh the Jimmy Schultz situation as well. Uh there's a couple of weeks left of, you know, theoretically downtime before guys start coming back in. What will the roster look like at that point compared to today? And I guess the the question I'll just ask right on the top for both of you and start with Ben, will Nick Holden be on the roster when training camp opens?
1: That's an excellent question. Uh I'm not still sure yet i'm not i don't have a good read on the gusev situation i mean i do think he's a natural guy to move in that spot because right now it's hard to envision him having a consistent role in that top six if they indeed want to get a rookie up here and you would think playing every day because otherwise what would be the point of having a rookie come up if you're just going to have them be scratched every night and but at the same time holden would also be a guy with enough character that I think would handle that well. I still don't think you want to do that to a guy who's making $2.2 million next year, just making him a healthy scratch that's good-natured. I mean, we saw them move on from Brad Hunt kind of in that same position last year, and Brad Hunt was making way less money than Nick Holden. So, I mean, it does appear to kind of be a, a situation that would seem untenable, at least from the outside, right now going into camp with Nick Holden whether there's a team at this point that would be super excited to add him on the last year of that deal. I don't know. So I think that makes it really complicated.
2: So I'll say yes,
0: just to be bold. (laughs) Um, so would you, is that implying that saying no, Nicole, Holden will not be here. Is the safe answer? No, I think what it implies and, and I mean, go ahead, tweet
2: me, you know, tweet at me, email me, whatever. Um, I think, I think what it means is that the Gusev thing, either he gets traded or it's dragging out. And I don't think it's resolved at that point necessarily. Um, I'm still, you know, the, the Gusev thing to me is just, it, you know, I just have a, I'm, I have a hard time getting any sort of read on the situation. Um, certainly it's been radio silence from, you know, Gusev's camp um, and trying to get any sense of, of what's going on and, and where people are. Um, I mean, you know, the, the money thing to me is the interesting thing because if to, to me, the biggest thing is if he's that good, if, if he is the best player in the world, not in the NHL, I don't understand how you haven't made a plan to fit him in to your roster one way or the other. And I understand that it takes two to t- tango on a trade and, you know, we're talking about Nick Holden. You know, who's going to want him? Things like you know, so if there's not another team that needs, you know, a guy like Nick Holden making 2.2 million. It's hard to get rid of him. But I just, I just feel like the Goosev thing. Um, I, I don't see an immediate resolution where he gets signed right now. So for for, for that reason, I think Nick Holden is still going to be there.
0: If if you ask them right now if they'd rather have you know and I say them I mean the Golden Knights brain trust if they'd rather have Gusev or Holden on opening day isn't isn't Gusev the clear answer
2: Yeah, but see, okay, so this is I know it's
0: not a one to one deal.
2: Yeah, and, and see, and this goes back to something, and this is kind of this was a pet peeve of mine the first training camp two years ago, and everybody made this thing of like you know, Shibishov, and why did he go to the minors when you got, like, pierre Edward Bellmere in your fourth line doing nothing, <laughs> you know? It, it was such a just ignorant argument to me. It's just wrong, you know? There, it, it's apples and oranges. They do completely different things. So to compare, like, oh, would you rather have Gusev or Holden? Well, I mean, clearly I'd rather have Gusev. Clearly I'd rather have a guy who's going to, you know, potentially score, you know, 50 to 60 points and, you know, be a key guy on a power play and all those sorts of things. I'd rather have that but also understand that there's just elements to a roster and you need a little bit of this and you need a little bit of that. And if the Golden Knights feel like they've already got scoring and things like that on the wing, then maybe it's not as urgent to have Nikita Gusev in your lineup versus if you feel like there's a hole on defense, that's massive that at least, you know, Nick Holden can fill to some degree, you know, there's just more elements to, you know, to this than you know roster construction and we're just going to take you know all the best players and, and load them up you have to have you know elements of guys that can do certain things and play different
0: roles yeah because you it, to phrase that question properly you'd really have to be would you rather have just randomly Gusev and Bischoff or Holden and Pierre? like you'd have to match yeah, up yeah, yeah. two different guys to right. make that that's 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 fair to make yeah. that question more accurate but um yeah I mean there's a lot of people framing it that way certainly and You know, as you said, it's an easy answer to be like, I want the exciting forward guy. That's the guy I want. But you also take into consideration can you deal Holden? And, you know, you might have to actually like give up a pick to get somebody to take Holden from you at this point. And
2: I mean, they have extra picks. That's the thing. I mean, they've certainly shown that, you know, they can stockpile that stuff and use them as assets. You know, that's what George McPhee and and Kelly McCrimmon have done. You know, I mean, even, even the trade that we talked about earlier, you know, being able to move a fourth round pick. It's not that they have an extra, you know, fourth round pick that year or anything, but they have enough draft picks stocked up that, you know, they can move something like that. They can make a deal and, you know, kind of attach that to the deal if they have to to get something done. That's the flexibility, you know, that they have, I guess, going forward with some of that stuff. Ben, what do you see the next couple of weeks looking like? I mean, I think they're gonna be pretty relaxed
1: if we're being <laughs> honest. The only real big pieces of news we're waiting on is you know, when is Jimmy Schultz going to sign and what is he going to sign for? It's not going to be that exciting of a signing. You know, he played in just one NHL game. He doesn't have a lot, you know, on his ledger yet. So, I don't, you know, that's not going to be a blockbuster deal or anything. And then we're waiting on Gusev. And uh, like Dave said, I don't really think there's any reason why that wouldn't potentially drag to at least around the beginning of training camp, if not, you know, into training camp. Because He doesn't have arbitration rights. There's no real deadline that they're working with besides the fact that he needs to sign by December or not play in the NHL this season. I mean, his agent was quoted in some Russian media trying to give a vague deadline that he would then, you know, negotiate a return to the KHL in Russia, basically. But I mean, that seemed a pretty transparent leverage ploy right there. I'm not sure how much I actually buy into it. And I doubt the Knights are going to buy into it. I mean, that thing is i think not gonna take uh you know a short time to resolve that's gonna be one that drags out as they try to get Gustav to lower his asking price as they you know try to put more pressure on teams probably around the start of training camp to make them better offers if they do indeed want to trade him so that the other teams could get him into camp early enough so he can acclimate to you know the nhl ice sheet to the kind of the physicality of the league things like that um so i don't really see any uh Big exciting uh, topics on
0: the
2: horizon. Yeah, and then in like a week, he's going to sign. Right? right, absolutely. We'll be
0: back here uh, Friday to yeah. our Gusev signing press conference podcast. Uh, we'll be out here for that. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. If you're, if you're hearing that out of context, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, that that will pretty much do it for our conversation of what is going on with the Golden Knights right now. We're here, as we said, at Derek England's. Uh, press conference to announce he is back for one more year, one year deal 700000 that could go as high as $1.5 with incentives uh, so he spoke make sure you check out ReviewJournal.com for everything he had to say uh, for Ben Goats and Dave Shane I'm Adam Hill and don't forget to like subscribe, comment, share everything you do with podcasts tell your friends to listen to the Golden Edge podcast which is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos We'll talk to you guys again real soon.